When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of This Day in Miami History. My name is Matthew Bunch. Whenever I have the pleasure of interviewing someone for an episode of This Day, uh, I always like to make the full conversation available to you, the listener, as just a little additional piece of the historical record to put into your ears and into your mind. Uh, as part of uh, my episode on the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye uh, that premiered earlier this month, uh, I had the unique pleasure of speaking to Douglas Laycock. Mr. Laycock is the Robert E. Scott Distinguished Professor at the University of Virginia School of Law. His work is particularly well known in the areas of religious liberty, which obviously was significant in the case of the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye. He argued on behalf of the church in front of the Supreme Court and won that case. We had about a 30-minute conversation, and in that time, we obviously talked about the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye and his preparations for both the appeals court and the Supreme Court, but we talked about religious liberty more generally. A lot of that part of the conversation didn't really fit into the podcast, but I still think it's really useful to hear how the decision in the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye versus the city of Hialeah is still impacting religious liberty jurisprudence today. So I encourage you to kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Mr. Douglas Laycock. The high times and low times, all in the So, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, speaking to me about this case um, and, and your involvement in it. If you can, can, can you kind of walk me through uh, how you're pulled into this case at the appeals level and, and why your involvement at that secondary level beyond the original trial uh, was so important to the cause of the church? Um, well, the, you know, the three Miami lawyers who tried the case um, had trial skills, which I do not, but none of them had any appellate experience. Um, two of them were active in the American Jewish Congress, uh, and they called, um, the national office there, which had a, uh, a full-time religious liberty lawyer in those days. Um, he and I had recently met at a conference, um, and, he thought this was an important case, but he couldn't take it on because the number two lawyer in his office was a big animal rights person. Hmm. Um, so he called me, um, and uh, that you know that's how I got involved. It was kind of serendipitous, but, um, but that's how it happened. So, so it's going to the appeals level a- after the the original trial. Um, you're playing from behind. 
and, and you have a, 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 a set of skills, a background dealing with religious liberty, dealing with uh, the cause of individual free exercise. Uh, going into to the appellate level, before we get to the Supreme Court, how did you feel your case stacked up in terms of the likelihood of winning? And also, obviously, if you're taking it on, you believe in the cause. But were you convinced that at the end of the road, at the end of the day, that, that, that the, the church of Lukumi Babaluaye was, was going to wind up winning its case? I was convinced we should win this case. Um, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of hostility to the church. And judges are not immune to that. Um, you know, the AJC lawyer and I initially thought this was an important appeal because the the standard at the time was that if the city burdened the church's exercise of religion, it had to justify that burden with a by showing that there was a compelling government interest. And the trial judge's opinion pretty much equated compelling interest with legitimate interest. A compelling interest was something very important. It's like saving people's lives. Um, and, and he basically said, you know, any legitimate government interest counts as compelling. And, and so that's why we thought the case was going to be important. Um, and then... Um, you know, we filed the appeal, and there, there are a bunch of things that have to happen before you start writing the briefs. The record has to be transmitted to the Court of Appeals. The transcript has to be uh, created and so forth. Uh, while all that was going on, the Supreme Court came down with a new decision that you may have heard of, um, Employment Division versus Smith, that said, no, the government doesn't need a compelling interest. All it has to show is that its laws are neutral and generally applicable. Um, and my initial reaction was, gee, that makes this case pretty hopeless. <laughs> um, and then I started looking at the Florida laws and some of the Miami ordinances, and or the, I'm sorry, the Hialeah ordinances, and, um, you know, this wasn't generally applicable at all. You'd kill an animal for pretty much any reason you wanted, except for religious reason. So, you know, I thought we should win under, either under the old standard or under the new standard, um, but that it would be difficult, um, or it might be difficult to focus the court's attention on, on that. Um, and, and so what happened in the Court of Appeals um, was really was really quite remarkable. Right? They they took six months to decide the case, and what they finally issued was a four sentence unpublished order affirming on the opinion of the trial court, except that they rejected one of his four compelling interests. Well, it obviously didn't take them six months to write that four sentences, <laughs> right? I think. I think they were trying to figure out how to write this opinion and rule for the city, and they couldn't write it. There was no way to justify ruling for the city, but they did it anyway. Um, you know, and they said, we don't have to decide what the Supreme Court's opinion in Smith means because uh, the city wins either way, under the old rule or under the new rule. So, yeah, I, I want to address that. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I want to kind of double down on, on the Oregon Smith case. Um, because 
you're, I know that when you're applying the law, uh, obviously you're not letting feelings getting in, get into it. You're, you're trying to just address it on, 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 you know, what's written, what can be interpreted and so on. But when that case is decided, the way it's decided, really while you're in the thicket of the fight here trying to get your ducks in a row for the Lukumi Babalu IA case, how do you feel? Like, does it feel like the rug's kind of been pulled out from under you? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember wondering if we would be sanctioned for filing a frivolous appeal. Um <laughs> But, I, you know, I got past that pretty quick as soon as I, I kind of started looking at the Florida statutes on animals. Um, I began to feel pretty good about our case. So I'm going to stick with one more kind of, I guess, touchy-feely question and then, and then dive into the, the Supreme Court. Um, how, how much were you briefed, how much were you familiar with the heat that the church generally and its attorney, Jorge Duarte, got from the city and the residents of the city. Because going back and listening to some of the the city commission meetings, um, Duarte in particular really gets some, 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 I mean, for lack of a better word, some heat, some some visceral directed towards him from the crowd. Were you aware of that coming into the case? Did you kind of prepare any differently because of that? uh, I mean... And the lawyers who brought me in told me the basic story, and then the recordings of the city council meetings were in the record. Yeah. Um, so I was able to listen to them. It's a real, uh, I, I, the way I, I, I think I'm going to talk about it in the episode, it's like a gladiator in the Coliseum vibe. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I, you know, I was spared all that because I was not in town. Sure. Um, and, you know, the, the appellate level is more, you know, it's further removed and... and um, you know, there's no one there but the judges and the lawyers, basically, so a few reporters. So uh, I didn't get any of that pressure. But, um, yeah, the trial lawyers certainly did, and especially Jorge. Yeah. So you head to the Supreme Court. Um, you had had experience in drafting amicus briefs, but this is the first time you're arguing in front of the court. Is that correct? That's right. And um, now I'm I'm borrowing from... Uh, uh, something here, but I, I kind of want to hear you you tell the story firsthand. Um, as you turned me on, I had been reading to, and, and you recommended to me um, the book entitled Animal Sacrifice and Religious Freedom, Church of the Lukumi, Babalu Aie versus City of Hialeah by David M. O'Brien. Um, in the preparation for the case, certainly one of the, the biggest moments of your professional life, uh, you kind of have an unexpected uh, calamity befall you. Uh, can can you just describe that uh, for my listeners and, and kind of how you tried to work around it? Um, sure. Let, let's back up a little bit first. Uh, sure. I mean, the, you know, the first question is, do we try to take this case up to the Supreme Court? And overwhelmingly, the advice I got was, no, do not go to the Supreme Court. You're only going to make bad law. Um, in Smith, they were trying to pretty much repeal the free exercise clause, and and this case will be a vehicle for them to finish the job. And it's got unattractive facts, and and um, you're just gonna you're just gonna lose. And and I there's one uh, one person urged me to take it up, but nobody else did. Um, and I figured, you know, if that were the court's reaction, they would just deny certiorari. Um, 
but if we could get them focused on the discrimination instead of on the sacrifice, um, we could still win this case. So, so I decided to take it up. Um, you know, we got cert granted. Uh, we filed the briefs, all the written arguments. Um, you know, I was preparing for oral argument, which is a major undertaking in itself at the Supreme Court level. Um, and uh, two weeks before the oral argument, I blew out my ACL plan with my kids. Um, and you know, I went to see the orthopedist, and he said, well, you know, there are two ways we can do this. We can treat it surgically, we can treat it non-surgically. <laughs> and I said, which one will have me standing up and off painkillers in two weeks? Hmm. Um, and uh, so we did it surgically, and um, you know, I was I was off painkillers. I was mentally fine by the time I got to the Supreme Court, but I was on crutches. Um, and you know, it, it sounds dramatic. My wife loves to tell the story, but um, actually. You know, if you have to be on crutches in court, the Supreme Court of the United States is probably the best court in the country to have it happen to you. <laughs> because they use nearly all the floor space of the courtroom for observers. Um, and so the lawyer is literally sitting one step from the lectern. Um, and we were, we were the first argument. So we went in... Uh, before the justices came in, so we were all settled in and sitting at the table, and you know I had to you know stand up and sort of shuffle over one step, and you know I leaned on the podium mostly. I don't remember if I used my cane, uh, but it you know it really wasn't bad at all. And then we went out. I went out on crutches, but the justices were looking at their papers and getting ready for the next case. I'm not sure any of them even knew uh, that I was having a problem. The mark of a true professional being able to uh, cover up a ACL surgery after only about two weeks. So a as you mentioned, and I'm glad you brought it up because I jumped ahead to the, the fun ACL story, but that, that middle point after the loss at the circuit court level and before the Supreme Court, and you alluded to it, um, the idea of, of a, a compelling victim sometimes being important in, in driving a case into the into the Supreme Court's hands in order to get cert granted, um, you know they don't take every case that's appealed to them. They take an incredibly small amount of the cases that are appealed to them. Um, but it's it sounds like that you you believe that they were the church was so in the right, like you said, you didn't know they were going to win, but you really felt like they were going to win. In, in what way did you kind of account for this idea that you know maybe animal sacrifice, as you said, isn't necessarily something that's incredibly popular, but the way the law was written, something had to be done. Yeah, well, we, I mean, you know, it was, in some ways it was sort of step by step, right? The, the city had enacted four different ordinances to try to get these people one way or another. The trial judge had found four compelling government interests to justify the ordinances. Um, Court of Appeals threw one of them out, but that left three. So you got three compelling interests and four ordinances. That's 12 combinations. And basically, we had to win on all 12, right? If any one ordinance is valid for any one of the reasons, the city won. Um, so 
so much of the brief was sort of working through the details of these ordinances, um, you know, almost sentence by sentence to show how discriminatory they were, and then comparing it to all the other provisions in Hialeah law and Florida law um, to show how every other reason for which somebody might want to kill an animal was treated differently. Um, you know, they, they still use live rabbits to train greyhounds at the tracks in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had been upheld in the Florida courts. And, you know, they, you, you could kill an animal because it was of no commercial value. Um, you didn't want to care for it anymore. Um, Justice Stevens asked the oral argument if he could still drown surplus puppies in the bathtub, and the city's lawyer assured him that he could. Um, so as, you know... One of the amicus briefs said they want billions of chicken nuggets served, but not one chicken sacrificed to a god. And that was the focus of the brief, right? That not that that um, animal sacrifice is okay, or there's no harm in the animals, but that you know this is not a harm that they care about. Right? If you had any conceivable, plausible reason for killing an animal, it's fine with Florida, it's fine with Hialeah, it's only this religion that's being singled out. That was what the case was about. Um, You know, and then with respect to their interest in protecting animals, um, yeah, I mean, in in some ways it was the same, right? We had to say, they don't require the most humane, uh, this is a humane method of sacrificing animals, but, you know, they don't regulate the method in lots of these other situations. and uh, and all living things die sooner or later. So, um, you know, we tried to minimize. We did go through the the, the, the city's alleged interest um, to show that this wasn't as bad as they made it out to be. Right? That it was it was a quick and painless death, and there was no more unsanitary than than all sorts of other things people did. You know, the city's health officer said. Garbage dumps of restaurants are a bigger threat than animal sacrifice. Hmm. Um, but it was mostly focused on discrimination. And that was where we had to get the court's attention. And, and um, you know, once we got them focused on discrimination, it became a 9-0 case. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's, you lead me right into the next area of focus that I kind of want to talk about. You come into this case really thinking, based on the, the conditions of the court, the way the court has, has changed a little bit since the Oregon case, the, the retirement of, of Justice Marshall, um, uh, Justice Souter coming onto the court, Justice Thomas coming onto the court. Um, you, you in, 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 in reading through the book, it seems like you're aware that the calculus has changed a bit since Oregon versus Smith, but that uh, Justice Kennedy is going to be essential, that you're, you're really playing a, a tight game where you're going to have to try to move some pieces just to get to five. And you wind up with a 9-0. <laughs> you wind up with a clean sweep with some concurrences, but it's, it's a rather uh, sweeping victory on, on, on your part. What's your reaction when you see you, you got everyone? In one way or in another, you got everyone. Well, you know, obviously I was pleased. I, you know, I was not all that surprised. This was, there are lots of cases that proceed just the way you described where you're trying to count to five and you're trying to appeal to particular justices to be that fifth vote. Um, this one was a little different. You know, the, the Smith opinion was deeply ambiguous. Um, whatever you think about what they decided, it was a terrible opinion. It was, was unclear. Um, had all sorts of exceptions tucked into parenthetical phrases. Um, it had this key concept of neutral and generally applicable law that was never defined. And it had explanations for older cases that seemed dishonest. And nothing was overruled, but the question was, would they be overruled in the next case, or do they really mean these distinctions that they offered? Um, and so the briefs in Lakumi were very much about what did Smith actually mean, right? And was it really repealing the whole free exercise clause because pretty much any law is neutral and generally applicable? Or does this requirement that laws at least be neutral and generally applicable, does that have real content? Does that prevent them from discriminating? That's what the case was about. And, you know, I think, I thought that all nine votes were in play. Um, and I, yeah, I certainly didn't predict that it would be unanimous. But I didn't think there was any vote that was beyond reach or that we couldn't possibly get. Well, that's got to be a good feeling, having that that level of confidence to to go for it, and and it it worked out swimmingly uh, for you and and your client and and for this particular cause. So, looking ahead now from the decision, the the discussion of free exercise of religion, and specifically the court's interpretation of free exercise of religion, has been a real uh, hot button live issue in the last year, um, uh, you know, particularly when you look at the Kennedy decision, um, uh, which I know you have a, a particular viewpoint about. It, how do you think the decision in Lukumi Babalu Aie 
influences the court and kind of legal interpretation of free exercise today? And how has free exercise changed since the 1990s? Well, Lukumi turned out to be hugely important um, because it it signaled to the lower courts that had not repealed the free exercise clause and that they really did have to enforce this non-discrimination requirement. So in the three years between Smith and Lukumi, um, you know, nobody was winning any cases. Everything was neutral and generally applicable. You know, there was a there was a Minnesota case about a zoning law that excluded churches by name, and the court said, "Well, it's neutral and generally applicable because they had a reason for it. They didn't do it just out of hostility to churches." Um, and after Lukumi, that changed, and people began to win some cases. Um, you know, and courts would find an exception. Um, some secular group could do the same thing the church wanted to do, and that made the law not generally applicable. Um, and Justice Alito, when he's on the Third Circuit, wrote an opinion about two Muslim police officers who wanted to grow their beard. He said there's a medical exception. If you have a medical problem shaving, you don't have to shave. Uh, and so they, they have to allow a religious exception as well. So that you know that was that was very important, and that's the that's the argument that the court is using now, the Supreme Court in a lot of free exercise cases. Um, but um, there's something else going on at the Supreme Court level. You know the justices have almost completely turned over. Um, Thomas is the only one left from Lakumi. Um, and it's a new generation of conservatives. Um, you know, Smith, well, you know, your listeners probably think of free exercise of religion as a liberal conservative issue and conservatives are for it and liberals are against it. Um, that's an exaggeration, but there's something to that these days. Uh, that wasn't true in the 80s and 90s. Um, Free exercise of religion was a civil liberties issue like free speech and lots of other uh, constitutional rights. Um, Smith was an opinion by Scalia for conservatives plus Justice Stevens who said there's very little protection of free exercise clause. Um, and they weren't hostile to religion. They were hostile to judges balancing the state's interest against the religious interest. Um, so now you have a court with a majority much more conservative than the conservatives of the 90s um, no longer worried about judicial activism they're as activist as any court has ever been um, and they have this perception that religion or at least conservative religion is under attack um, I don't think Scalia ever envisioned that the Catholic Church would need the protection of the free exercise clause. But it turns out it does, right? It's losing on gay rights. It's um, it lost on contraception. Uh, it may be losing on abortion. Um, and so now we have a court with five or six justices motivated to aggressively protect 
uh, free exercise, and they would have found a way. Um, the way they're using is Lukumi. And the way they're using is to aggressively find secular exceptions in laws and then say because there's a secular exception, or even there's a case in Philadelphia where said there might be a secular exception, therefore there has to be a religious exception. Um, and, you know, there are three votes to overrule Smith, and there might eventually be five, but the others decided we don't have to do it yet. We can keep doing this game of finding secular exceptions everywhere, and therefore the law is not neutral and generally applicable, and therefore it violates free exercise. Um, something like this would have happened even without Lukumi just because of the change in personnel and the change in politics. Um, but Lukumi is the tool that they've been using. It's really interesting to think about the influence of this case. And, and, and you mentioned the idea of the, I guess, the polarization around the idea of free exercise. And just, I, I'm going to include a link in, in this episode uh, to uh, where folks can access it through JSTOR, your, your, um, your amicus brief that was never filed, uh, which is quite interesting. And just the the co-signers, the, the groups that are uh, on the, the amicus brief, it's really wild if you know anything about politics, the idea that the Catholic League and the people for the American way would be kind of marching to the same drum. How do you view, and, and I'll, I'll wrap up here and let you go because you've already been uh, far too generous with your time with me, but um, in terms of looking at the law and how people and groups, interest groups and factions interact with the law, um, that polarization, oh, I'm sorry, can you still hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, good. Um, that polarization around these constitutional rights, um, do, do you see that ever depolarizing or, or do you think that at least for the short to medium term, this is how it's going to be where rights become these very polarized topics that, that people kind of separate from instead of coming together? Well, it wasn't weird at the time. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the civil liberties organizations mostly came uh, from the left, but not entirely so. Um, they supported pretty much all civil liberties. And then the conservative religious groups were especially worked up about free exercise. So it was kind of a natural alliance. And Congress responded to Smith with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And that passed unanimously in the House, 97 to 3 in the Senate, and the three weren't really against it. They just wanted to have an exception for prisons. Um, so, you know, this was, as you said, a wall-to-wall coalition, ACLU, people for Catholic bishops, the Church of the Mormons, you know, everybody, National Association of Evangelicals, everybody left or right and religious and secular were united that free exercise should be protected. Um <clears throat> And then what happened um, was the success of the gay rights movement and same-sex marriage. Um, Hmm. So, you know, Congress passed RIFRA unanimously in 93. Um, The Supreme Court struck it down as applied to the states. And when they tried to repass a narrower version in 98, 99, um, they got partisan gridlock. Um, whole civil rights community came out to demand a global exception for any civil rights claim 
and that just killed the bill. You couldn't couldn't include it, and you couldn't pass it without it. Um, and and that's what you now see in the Supreme Court. Um, that you know the and, and it's not as bad at the Supreme Court level as a lot of people think, right? I think both the liberal and conservative justices still support free exercise, but they each have other things they care about more. So the liberals want exceptions for gay rights and same-sex marriage and weddings and contraception. The conservatives sometimes want exceptions for uh, accelerating capital punishment. Um, they, they each have their special interests. Um, but when none of those are in play, they have unanimously protected um, free exercise in, in a series of cases. Um, Muslim prisoner a few years ago wanted to grow his beard. That was unanimous. Um, this little group in New Mexico using a mild hallucinogen in their worship services, that was unanimous. Um, the, the rule that ministers can't sue their churches for employment discrimination, that was unanimous. Um, but we're really polarized over the sexual issues. And I don't see that going away. Uh, over gay rights may eventually moderate as people die off. Um, young people aren't nearly as exercised about that on the right as the older folks are. Abortion isn't going away. There's no compromise there. Um, so, and and the activist groups are not interested in compromise, right? I mean, I've been I've been arguing for years in the court and in Congress and in our reviews, state legislatures, what we need are strong gay rights laws with strong religious exemptions. And there are bills like that, there are drafts, and both sides are opposed. Uh, so I don't see the polarization solving itself. <laughs> well, uh, that's an interesting note to, to close on the idea that there there's more agreement than you might imagine, but uh, some gridlock that, that might get in the way. Uh, Douglas Laycock, thank you again so much for your time and, and your expertise and, and for sharing your experience with uh, my listeners. I really appreciate it. Okay. Good luck with this. Thank you. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.